It is Provincial Budget Day. We check in with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation to see what they are looking for in this budget. And Richard Cloutier, co-host of the news, joined us to offer his thoughts on what is coming this afternoon. Out-of-control parties. First, there was one in East St. Paul a few months back. Now, more recently, there's been one in Rosser. We talked about tips to prevent allowing a party to get out of hand. And since it's budget day, we decided to have some fun by asking you, what's something you splurged on and then thought, oops? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who wasn't with us this morning. She's on budget duty this afternoon. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, March 7th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. Sounds of the game. Winnipeg Jets coming up in three minutes' time. No McNabb this morning. Mr. Mackling, where's Loren? Today is Provincial Budget Day. Now it's Christmas for Richard Cluche. I'm not sure how we gauge Loren's excitement about <laughs> today, but she will be part of our coverage team live from the Rotunda at the legislature this afternoon, along with Richard Cloutier. So it's a big day for the province as Heather Stephenson and her government lay out their spending plans for the final time before we have an election scheduled for the fall. So we'll learn uh, what the priorities are of the government, how they intend to, you know, how they intend to spend your money and uh, probably your kids' money and your grandkids' money. So yesterday on Global... The Global News team spoke to several Manitobans and whether they were young, whether they were old, one of the primary concerns, of course, is health care. And I'm wondering, and I was just thinking about this as I was walking down the hall a couple minutes ago, I don't remember the last time that health care was not front and center. Like, I'm pretty sure the first time I was eligible to vote, that was the big push, was hallway, we got to put an end to hallway medicine. Remember, do you feel like we're gonna just going to be chasing our tail forever? I often do. I don't think, A, we will ever be happy with the level of health care that we receive. I think it's just one of those things that's so incredibly personal to every single one of us. You know, we, we, we all seem to have a gripe about a doctor or the availability of a doctor or specialist or access to a variety of different things. Our emergency departments have, have been uh, problematic before the pandemic, and we are just seeing that magnified over the last uh, couple of years here. So there's no magic pill here, Brett. I know we're going to hear uh, dollars attached to healthcare today. Spending on healthcare, I imagine, will be the government will tout it as the most we've ever spent in the history of the province. That's typically the case year after year, year over year. Uh, but will there be any magic bullets in the in the budget to, to fix what ails our healthcare system? No. And it's funny you mentioned uh, the hallway medicine because I can remember Gary Dewar. Uh, you know, accusing back in the day the, the conservatives of creating this hallway medicine and they were going to fix it for a handful of million dollars almost 40 years ago now. Yeah. And that's still a thing. 
Yeah, so we've got much to discuss this morning. The Taxpayers Federation will join us at 7.05. Richard Cloutier will join us at 8.05. And I should just very quickly mention here before we switch to hockey, in my dirty little Transconian mitts, I got my check yesterday from the province. was very happy to open the mailbox and see an envelope. Normally I wouldn't be excited to see an envelope that says Manitoba on it because I always think, oh, what, what is this? Speeding ticket. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. Who knows what it could what could be in there? But I knew exactly. Invoice what was in for there. something you've done wrong. Once I saw Manitoba Finance Central Finance Division, I thought, hey finally, the that- check has come into Brett's mailbox. Has that purchased your loyalty? No. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be changing your vote? Would, has that swayed you in any way, shape, or form on I, the, uh, politically, Brett McGarry? No, it won't. It won't affect anything. I have no idea where my vote shall fall in the fall. But much to discuss on the budget this morning and through the day leading into our live coverage on 680 CJOB. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is part of our special coverage of the budget today. It's budget day, so let's have some fun with the budget. We're going to talk to the Taxpayers Federation and to get into the nuts and bolts after 7 o'clock, but right now we want to know for a chance to win tickets for All Elite Wrestling, AEW coming to Canada Life Centre on March 15th, that's a Wednesday. What's something that you've spent a lot of money on and then kind of thought, oops, here's an example. When uh, last, I think it was last January, January 2022, I decided one day at about 3 a.m. that it was an appropriate time to go online shopping and bought a $750 golf bag, which I was hoping to make peace with that purchase, but I still haven't because I don't like it as much as I should for that price tag. I thought I'm going to treat myself and slugging it through the pandemic. It's a nice bag. It just it's not as functional as I would like it to be. It says my name on it though. It, it does Brett! have your, it does have your name on it. And there's an exclamation mark too, is there not? Yes. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it's Brett exclamation yeah. mark. Yeah. yeah. So it's All like capital it, letters. It's like my golf bag is yelling at me every time I put a club back. Because it's like, Brad, you fool. What did you screw up now? <laughs> didn't you have to replace? Didn't you have to write the company, reach out to them to get them to replace a certain part of it? Or oh something? yeah, this and that's another part of the thing with the bag is the I was carrying it and the strap broke and not just, not just the clasp like the strap actually ripped off of the bag so for that money that bag should last me for 20 years yeah for that amount of money More. there should be a guy carrying it for you yeah everywhere you go so that one kind of i'm sort of kicking myself about that and it took me a while to pay that money back to visa so oopsie daisy indeed so tell us a story for a chance to win or conversely if you're really good with your money and saving money and you've got an example of ways you used to save cash like mr mackling the loony once upon a time was your favorite piece of currency it sure was and i have never purchased anything that i've regretted <laughs> uh the no bold-faced <laughs> lie uh yeah, the loony came in to existence, uh, I guess, in the 90s. And and I was a server at the time. And I was telling you how I always made sure when I made change, say it was $11 in change, mm-hmm. there was no way you were getting two fives and a loony. You were getting a five and six loonies because mm-hmm. I was going to make it really easy for you to leave a $6 tip. And for a long time, it worked. Like, And then the toonie came around. I don't think I was really serving when toonies came around, but I had a great big one of those uh, big 
Gatorade jars or bottles, the biggest one. Yeah. And I would fill that thing. So if I was going on a ski trip, I'd start filling that in September. By March, I'd have seven, eight hundred bucks in there. Easy, easiest way to save cash. It felt like no money at all. Just quarters and loonies would go in there. So two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. The things that you you bought, spent money on, and then thought, oops, or the creative ways you've saved money. Jeff Braun, why do we start with you, sir? Uh, it must have been about ten years ago, and I don't do this math anymore. But I, I did it at the time of. Because for the course of the Couch Potatoes, I had gone to the movies a lot that year. And I did the math and realized that I had spent over $800 on movie theater popcorn in one calendar year. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think, well, that's probably money could have been better spent somewhere Oh, else. come on. That's a lot of money for popcorn. Yeah, that, that I think that, that might have been the same year where I would have spent in the same ballpark. Because I, I can't remember what year it was, but there was one year where I went to see 56 movies in the theater. And I'm pretty sure I had popcorn every time. <laughs> 56. Yeah. Do you eat popcorn one kernel at a time, or is it a handful crammed inside oh, your that's mouth? That's a good yeah, question. Gone before the trailers are even over. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. complete waste. It's a complete cram yeah. situation for me. Yeah. I, I, one at a time. I have more. I, I don't have time for that. I got to... So it's the like a movie. handful like the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very much like an animal in the wild that's eating... It, it doesn't know when it's going to get its next meal. <laughs> Just ravenous. And then my stomach hurts 20 minutes later. Yep. And yeah. What about you, Cam? Well, the biggest waste of money that I've um, that I've ever I've ever done, and I didn't even realize it until my mom uh, told me. So I was I was and this was like at not my poorest, but my second poorest um, <laughs> when I was in in Merritt, like working for like 800 bucks every two weeks. And it was just not it's just it's what you got paid. Um, and so anyways, I would go to the bank and I had a credit card. And I would go and I would use my credit card at the ATM to take out my rent cash. And I would go down to the um, – then I would go to the the Remax or whatever and I would pay my rent in cash there. Well, I was getting charged interest immediately yeah. on, on the cash advance and I had no idea. And this was like – I was like 19 years old. <sighs> I was clueless. So for 600 bucks on rent <sighs> in – for somebody making like I was paying twenty percent more every single time, and I was wondering why the heck my credit card bill kept going up every single month. And then it was like four months, and I'm like, "Mom, oh, I'm just kind of struggling here." And she goes, "Well," and then we went through everything that I was doing, and she was like, "Cam, you're that's that's like that's that's like huge amount of money that you're spending. It's like it was like nineteen percent on top of it every single month you're paying your rent." So I was paying like. Well, Did you think it was like a Visa debit card? Or, yeah, or I don't what? know. I just, I just didn't. I had no idea that I was being charged. Like I just thought it was like I was using it as a debit card, and oh. I was just clueless. And that was, oh god, that was hundreds and hundreds of dollars for somebody that had like no money. And uh, so I was able to fix that situation. And all of a sudden, I had a little bit more spending cash. But man, that that sucked. I was kicking myself, punching myself in the head. Um, cause it, it took me about a year to get back on track Good longer than that, longer than that Good until I was in Calgary. Yeah. Over a year later, that was when I finally got that taken care of. Forte, what about you? Oh, uh, well, the best way of saving money would be, uh, just live at home. <laughs> That's that, you know, you got no bills, you get to save up money and then you move out and then you, you make a decision when you move out. And like I, when I was thinking at my parents' place, I, uh, had a bunch of music stuff there. And when I moved out, I said, no more, not spending a penny on any more music stuff because it's really expensive 
So I moved to my apartment, and then Long McQuaid moved next door. Then, of course, everyone knows. <laughs> everyone knows that I, I bought this keyboard, and uh, I spent like five hundred dollars on it, plus the stamp, plus the chair. So I probably spent like six hundred bucks on it, and I've only learned two songs. One being Motley Crue's "Home Sweet Home," <laughs> because Braun told me. Well, you gotta learn "Home Sweet Home" by Motley Crue. Like, Absolutely, you gotta learn learn that on piano. Sounds Money like well you spent. learned it note for note. That sounds great. <laughs> well, yeah, this is this is me playing for for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I also learned "Clocks" by Coldplay, and those are the only two songs I know how to play. So <laughs> I don't know how to play the piano. It sits in the corner when people come over. They go, "Oh, you know how to play piano?" I'm like, "No." No, I just bought it. <laughs> You'll learn how to play one day. You're like the cool guy who's got the cu- guitar sitting in the corner, you know, that, that looks like he knows how to play guitar, but doesn't really know how to play one single note. I do like the fact that you are a technical producer whose job is to monitor the clock, and the song that you chose to learn is called Clocks. 204-780-6868. Something you spent money on, and then you said... Oops, why did I do that? On this budget day for a chance to win tickets to see AEW, we'll pick a winner at 9.15. This afternoon, the Manitoba government will bring down its final budget prior to the next provincial election scheduled for October 3rd. Yeah, Manitoba's progressive conservative government has signaled that it will... Loosen its purse strings today with the economy recovering from the depths of the COVID-19 pandemic and higher transfer payments coming from the federal government. The province is in a position to spend more. That from Finance Minister Cliff Cullen. Gage Halbrick is Prairie Director and Interim Campus Director with the Canadian Taxpayer Federation and joins us now. Good morning, Gage. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate that. So provincial and federal budgets never satisfy everyone. In fact, it's been said the best business deal is one where neither side is happy. What would make your organization happy today, Gage? Well, what taxpayers should be looking for in this budget today is some sort of real tax relief. You know, everyone, especially Manitobans, have been struggling to buy gas and groceries through record high inflation. And the government needs to do everything in its power to make life a little bit more affordable The Premier has said in the past that the federal carbon tax is a cost and an undue burden on Manitobans. And when that goes up on April 1st, it'll be 14 cents a litre. It just so happens that the Manitoba gas tax is also 14 cents a litre. So if the government is truly looking to make life a little bit more affordable, they should move to cut that gas tax. Do you expect to see that? I mean, we can always hope because that's the best deal for taxpayers, but you never really know until, uh, until they drop those numbers. So what are your biggest concerns today, Gage, about the approach that the government has been taking or may take today? We're hoping that the government uh, doesn't go crazy with their spending and try and spend their way out of these problems. We want them to focus on balancing the budget and stopping to waste all that money. Every year the government is in deficit. The debt goes up, and that means more money is wasted on interest. This year alone, interest costs are going to be about $1.2 billion, and that's $780 per person. That's a waste of money. And since the government is coming into all this extra revenue, they need to use that to balance the budget and find savings and not keep spending. How do, how do, we, uh, how do we balance th- that whole idea of you know, education and uh, health care in particular, two of the larger provincial responsibilities? How do we balance that with, with socking money away or, or, or paying down the, the overall debt? 
Well, it's all about priorities, right? Whenever they decide to spend, they need to find some savings elsewhere. You mentioned that they're coming into a bunch of new grants and increasing revenues, and that means they should focus on the things they need and not the things they don't. For example, talking about those interest payments, uh, that $1.2 billion could have been used to build three new hospitals in Portage, but instead it's just being sent to big banks and bondholders. And the government needs to focus on getting rid of unnecessary expenses. It wasn't too many years ago that they had to write up $200 million in loans during the IG field debacle, and getting those costs down is a good way to get toward balancing the budget. Well, is it realistic for them to, you you pointed to the gas tax, for example, I mean, with rising costs for everything, is it realistic for the government to be able to make such a cut? Well, costs are hard for everyone right now. You know, when me and yours and everybody's family have to sit down at the end of the month and do our own budget, we have to make the numbers balance. So it shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to expect Manitobans for the government uh, to do the same, provide them some relief along the way. I know that uh, you're, you're uh, part of something called, uh, or at least were, part of something called Generation Screwed. Talk about that during your time at the University of Saskatchewan, because, you know, I said uh, earlier this morning that the government will be spending my money as a taxpayer. I'm, a, you know, I'm in my mid-50s, but I've got kids who are 16, and I'm going to have, I, I hope, at some point I'm going to have grandkids. So my suggestion was they're spending mine, my kids, and my grandkids' money. So talk about that whole idea of, of money and priorities uh, for younger people and, and making sure the governments uh, of those days to come can meet those priorities. Well, let's make sure that the government doesn't kick the debt can down the road and push all that burden onto future generations. Right now, this year, the government debt's about $20,000 per person uh, provincially in the province. And every time that goes up, it increases those interest payments. I mean, there's less money left over for those priorities. So as uh, young people, you need to make sure you push uh, the government on those issues to deal with them now and not when they become unsustainable in the future. Is there one thing the province of Manitoba spends their money on that you don't like, Gage? It's something where, where if, as you said, if we raise spending on medical care, uh, that you would like to see them uh, cut spending uh, to coincide with the increase in health care spending? Well, the problem in Manitoba is the spending has been unsustainable for quite a long time. Over the past 10 years, the province's budget has only been balanced once, despite uh, increasing revenues during that time. So what they really need to do is kind of look at the culture of spending and look at all across the board what they can reduce. Because it's not going to be a specific thing here that causes uh, this problem, because overspending has consistently been an issue in Manitoba. And it's going to make the government make a hard look at that um, to bring it back down to balance. All right, Gage Halbrick, Prairie Director and Interim Campus Director with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Gage, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it, sir. Thanks for having me. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is part of our special budget coverage this afternoon. And on the subject of the budget, question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. It's Provincial Budget Day. What's your top priority? Health care, education, roads and infrastructure, tax cuts, or other? Cast your vote at cjob.com. And on this budget day, we are asking you about something that you maybe spent too much money on and find yourself saying, oops. And, uh, well, we're going to keep this next listener anonymous because we don't want to get anybody in trouble. I never spent an absurd amount of money on something I regretted, but as far as saving money, my wife watches our bank account like a hawk. 
So my way of saving money, so I have something for myself without getting <laughs> nagged for it, is I have $100 every payday that goes into a separate account that she doesn't know about. Oh, boy. If she's watching the account like a hawk, are you getting away with that? Yeah. Do, do you really think she doesn't know about it? That's interesting. Jessica says, whenever I use my debit card, I don't really comprehend that it's real money and my spending habits go through the roof. And that's, Jessica, that's uh, super relatable because I know that when I am using my debit card frequently, let's say I'll make three or four stops in a day, grocery store, whatever, I might not be thinking about, okay, I just spent $30 here, I spent $40 there, $50 here, and then eventually I'll look at my bank account and go, whoa, where did... I had this much money in there, and, and where, where did it go? When they created the Interact system, do you really think that was for our benefit, <laughs> for our convenience? I know they painted the picture that way, and they tried to convince us, Brett, that it was for our convenience. We wouldn't have to use an ATM. We wouldn't have to handle physical cash any longer. But they knew, right? They knew what they were doing. They were making it easier for us to spend our money. That's a very good point. They are smart, especially whenever you hear about bank earnings, billions of dollars. Like, oh, those banks are just, they're so hard done by. That was not by mistake. Feel free to continue to weigh in. The things you splurged on that made you kind of stop and go, what did I just do? But were you able to make peace with that purchase? Is it something you ended up liking and using or something you regretted, like Fortier's keyboard that he never uses? It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, who is... Not with us this morning. She is going to be part of our special budget coverage alongside who, Mr. Mackling? Gentlemen, to my right, uh, Richard Cluche joins us now in studio. And Richard, uh, first of all, uh, terrific job uh, yesterday with regard to the story on uh, Portage Place and what might be coming there. Very exciting project, but a, a necessary project as are a lot of the things I think we're going to see in this budget today. A lot of necessary spending. Yeah. Morning, guys. Good to see you. Uh, Loren, I guess she's not sleeping in, though. (laughs) Sleeping? No. 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 She's listening right now. No, she's working away on something. Going, uh, everybody gets a car. You get a car. You get a car. Uh, and, And really, she's so right on that in the sense that this is a pre election budget. And there will be goodies uh, in this budget. But, you know, you ask the question about infrastructure. And if you drive around the city or take a drive around the province, you just see a lot of this province was built by the Roblin government back in the 1960s. And all that infrastructure, if it hasn't been maintained, is starting to fall apart. So uh, from our view here on the 30th floor, we see Health Sciences Center. And, you know, the buildings there that were built almost 100 years ago, in the throne speech, government said, we need to build a new uh, patient tower. I'll be interested to see if there's specifics in this budget document today committing money to a patient tower there to replace the existing one, which John Lyon from the Health Sciences Center has described um, in no uncertain terms, as disgusting. 
you know, when he uses that word to describe a hospital, you don't want to be there. You don't want to be at the hospital to begin with. So the cornerstone of this budget will be health care, and we're, we will hear a lot of what the government has been talking about over the last several months, trying to say, you know, we're trying, we got all this federal money, we're throwing lots of money at it, but like other provinces, we're still desperate for workers. And that's out of their control. But what is in their control on the capital spending side is to set up an infrastructure for years to come. At Health Sciences Centre at St. Boniface, we're going to hear about the the emergency room there in St. Boniface that's well under construction. But I'll be interested to see, building on the True North announcement at Portage Place, is that what I hear after the consolidation of healthcare in the in the city and one of the key closings at the time was the Misericordia Health Center. Yeah, a lot of people brought that up. That urgent care served the community, not only locally, but broadly. So if you're Mark Chipman, if you're the provincial government, and you are being asked to support uh, Portage Place, and Ludlow with us yesterday saying it needs to serve the community, well, why not have a community outreach that essentially is an urgent care type of center there to serve that community. Um, and and I'll be interested to see whether or not there is a significant investment in health care at whatever comes of Portage Place uh, from, from the government. Infrastructure, health care aside, roads, education, um, you know, the clean economy, there's so many things. But on the taxation side, I'll be very interested to see what they do on the personal income tax side that affects all of us and the competitiveness with other provinces. I want to read this text message that came in in just the last 10 minutes here. Hey, guys, on the topic of credit card debt, I think the whole system we have here is completely rigged against us. And this is where it ties into what we're talking about. We are plain and simply taxed too much. Everything from taxes upon taxes, property tax, mine's way too high based on the lack of services we receive, etc. As a single parent to one toddler, I make $90,000 a year. Someone who owns a very modest home and I am absolutely broke. How do I not go into debt if something comes up? Yeah, and, and I think you, you can blame the federal government, the provincial government, but we are in a country where there's a whole host of services. And that appetite for services is not being quenched. People are out there saying, we want more, more, more investments. So a key thing for any government of any political stripe is how you balance that. On the one hand, giving us some of our money back, but also investing in that very important infrastructure that is outdated. And I have to remind you guys, Brett, this is a political statement today in a budget. And um, part of our coverage will have Evelyn Jacks from the Knowledge Bureau, but Mary Agnes Walsh of uh, Probe Research will also join us. And I was having breakfast with her last week and, and, you know, kind of getting the the tone and the pulse of how people feel right now. And the anger of last year, the anger of the pandemic has kind of changed to just meh. In, in in the fact that are Manitobans just done with this government and they're just waiting for the election so they can vote, not necessarily vote in somebody else, but vote these folks out. And so, you know, Heather Stephenson has an opportunity today to change the channel, to reframe the conversation with Manitobans. And so far, you know, when she's been on, it's been kind of meh. 
hasn't it? And so we shall see whether or not she can fire up the base and fire Manitobans up based on what is announced today and in the days ahead because budgets usually aren't just a one-day thing. It's over several weeks of announcements. Richard Cloutier will have more from the Rotunda at the Manitoba Legislative Building this afternoon alongside Loren McNabb and a whole bunch of guests, as he outlined. At approximately what time, Richard? Uh, anytime after 2.30 towards 3 o'clock, but we are still dependent on whether or not it all gets done on time at the legislature. And sometimes those bells ring and we get frustrated. And I have to tell Loren, or Loren has to tell me to just calm the hell down. <laughs> Well, we're looking forward to it. It should be an exciting afternoon at the ledge. Richard Cluche, thank you very much for joining us. It is Mackling and McGarry. Loren McNabb is part of our special budget coverage this afternoon on 680 CJOB. She and Richard Cluche will be in what we call budget lockup. This afternoon, and once that budget is tabled, Richard saying anytime after 2.30 in the 3 o'clock region, we will have that live on 680 CJOB. Later this half hour, we've got tickets to give away for World of Wheels, RBC Convention Center, March 24th to the 26th. Wait for your cue to call. That should be a fun party. When is that? March 24th to the 26th. I'm trying to find, I've been trying to find my picture of... Uh... Adam West. I met Adam West at World of Wheels back in 76, 77. Got his ad- autograph and everything. Really? It's fantastic. One of the highlights of my life. I'm trying to think. I don't have a picture with him. It's a picture of Adam West and Adam West in his Batman outfit. It's just, you know, too Greg. The one person I tried to meet at World of Wheels would have been in 1984. 84. There Give was, me a hint. There was a television series, <laughs> ridiculous television series, <laughs> that, that was a, a, essentially had to be inspired by Tron oh. called Auto Man. Oh, it's an American man. superhero television series that ran on ABC for 12 episodes. Uh, 13 were made. They only aired 12 of them. <laughs> was that bad? They threw out the last one? Yeah. It, uh, it, it, and it had the visual stylings of Tron. Like he, he had an outfit that glowed blue and sort his car this. glowed blue. Yeah. So anyway, he was at World of Wheels and I went over and I guess I sat on his lap and I asked for an autograph, but we had to pay for it. Yes. I, yes. I think that was the case with uh, Adam West also. So who was the star of said program? The, uh, it looks like a guy named Chuck. Hang on a second. Here. Oh, you actually have to look up his name. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the generated the, the so he's a hologram, and the name of the actor was Chuck Wagner. He was able to leave the computer world at night and fight crime. Chuck Wagner didn't, didn't really do anything after that. I no, guess. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> Poor know. Chuck. Maybe, but uh, yeah, I remember being disappointed, and I think that 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 may have been when I was like, maybe don't meet your. Your heroes, even though they may have only been your hero for 12 episodes of television. <laughs> it's like a Brussels sprout. You got 13, you left one on your plate. You only need 12 of them. <laughs> um, so where are the wheels tickets? Next half hour here on The Start. Now, that should be, well, that should be a fun party. We want to talk about parties that are getting out of hand. Late last year, there was a party in East St. Paul that grabbed headlines. As several hundred young people gathered on a Saturday, several people 
have been arrested in connection to the incident, which saw RCMP vehicles damaged. Well, uh, this uh, past weekend, the out-of-hand gathering, which took place in February, started to make headlines. You heard in uh, Jeff Braun's news just in the last few minutes here. This is Global News anchor Lisa Dutton. Along with drugs at the scene. Police are... RCMP are investigating an out-of-control house party in the RM of Rosser late Friday evening. Police arrived to a chaotic scene and a large number of youth ran or drove off when they showed up. There were liquor containers everywhere along with drugs at the scene. Reports said there were shots fired and while they didn't find anyone who was shot or any guns, Two people were taken to hospital with serious injuries while another was already at the hospital injured. Police say the party was announced on Snapchat and many who attended did not know each other. The house was known as an Airbnb-style home rental property. Anyone with information is asked to call police. So as you heard there, the social media is suspected in helping create this situation. I'm not going to blame the social media, Brett. I mean, that's just the tool for spreading the word here. And I'm not judging either. Like, house parties have been long time, been a part of our social scene. Was when I was growing up, I may have had one or two parties of my own back in the day. Parties getting out of hand is certainly nothing new, but the ability to spread the word so to speak, is dramatically different than what it was when we were growing up. So do you think that the ability then to spread that word is a good thing or a bad thing? Like oh. if you want to get a hold of your pal, like like of a large group of friends in a short amount of time, you just throw the word out? No, you got, you, even back in my day, you had to be pretty careful who you let know you were having a party. Um, in junior high, it wasn't a problem. It was a little more problematic in high school. I had 1,300 people in my high school. And so you're grade 10, grade 11, and of course, grade 12s, they like to to have a party. And in fact, I was very close to having a party that just about got out of control. Um, I I had probably 25, 30 friends over, and about midnight, uh, my cousin walks into my house. She's just a few years older than I was. I was shocked to see her there. I said, Judy, what are you doing here? She says, um, you might want to shore things up because somebody at the wedding social I was just at announced that there's a party here. And she said, I recognized your address immediately. And so I rushed here as soon as I could to make sure that uh, you didn't get overwhelmed with people. So that was back in the 1980s. One announcement at a wedding social, it meant 40, 50 people showing up at my door. Fortunately, I had some friends who were a little bit on the large side, played on the football team, and we didn't have any problems. But can you imagine multiplying that by 10 or 15? Well, you may remember, and you, we referenced this last time when in the East St. Paul incident, there was a film that came out in 2012 called Project X. It's a found footage teen comedy film about a party that just goes right. wildly out of control, given how quickly the word spread, like in this movie, the boys who are having this party, they actually bump into actor Miles Teller, who I guess was playing himself, I can't quite remember, but they nervously invited him to the party and only to discover he had already heard about it through the grapevine and was actually planning to show up at this thing. So I do understand, yeah, I do know the, the, 
the uninvited guest situation can spiral out of control really quickly. I've never been to a party that got out of control. Maybe one where the cops were called just because it was too loud, but nothing insane was happening. But I do remember the nerves that would spread through a room when even two or three people who were not invited to the party showed up because they heard about it because, A, we don't really know these people, or we know that this person knows them and they don't get along. Right. So who else are they going to call in for reinforcements? And even in the that that time, like this would have been in the nineties, none of us had cell phones. So it was a lot harder to get a hold of people. And now, whether you're sending a text message or oh. a direct message or a Snapchat message or whatever you want to do. Uh, it can, yeah, it's tough. And, and Snapchat seems to, uh, I was actually surprised to learn that it was from Snapchat. I, I kind of thought maybe was, is, is Snapchat going the way of the dodo? But it sounds like it's still the, the weapon of choice, so to speak, for a lot of uh, the youngsters out there. So, and all it takes is for one or two people to either take a screen grab of this invitation and share it on their social media. Like you may be really careful about who you're inviting, but all it takes is one rogue invitee and things could go off the rails. And to the point where I was doing some research on this yesterday, trying to find a guest to discuss this in Australia, they have something called safe party tips where they encourage you, even if you're a younger person to register with the police 72 hours in advance, if you're having a gathering of any size and it goes through all the different ways uh, that you should be preparing for these parties, including how you hand out invitations, personally hand out invitations, let people know that it is an an exclusive party, party, strictly invitation only. That way you can control who is at the party. The door list will help with this. They even suggest hiring security if you're hiring or if you're expecting more than a certain number of people. They even tell you to lock away items that could be broken or damaged. Like this is a whole thing through uh, in New South Wales, through the police to help you prepare for a party so it doesn't get out of control, like these couple of examples we've been talking about in the last few minutes. And if these parties are registered ahead of time, is that a situation where you think maybe the police will sort of check in throughout the evening? Well, perhaps it is, but it's more of the idea that if it's getting out of control and the person having the party phones in and says, hey, this is out of control, they can prioritize it. 204-780-6868. Is this, like, maybe, do you have a kid who's been to a party that got out of control? Were you ever part of a party that was out of control? And what happened? Tell us a story. 204-780-6868. would love to hear your experience on this. Uh, because, like I said, uh, for me, I was kind of a kind of a nerdy kid. Didn't really go to a lot of parties. So the, the out-of-control party was just something I'd only really heard about. I was at one in River Heights once. I had to get out of there. It was 80, could have been 87, 88. And you could tell things were going bad. The house fronted on a park and the park was half filled with kids. Oh boy. I felt so sorry. I didn't know who the owner of the house was. My friend did. I didn't. And you could tell things were about to go sideways. Yeah. I think the closest thing that maybe that ever happened, it was a situation where I was at the Oak Bullwinkles, and there were two factions who did not get along. 
This is, of course, in my Taco Bell days, and one of the girls we worked with was dating this guy. From McDonald's? Was it a showdown between McDonald's <laughs> and Taco Bell? No, it wasn't. But he didn't like us for some reason. I think he thought we were hitting on his girlfriend. Of course, it's, it always comes down to testosterone and girls yeah. at the bar. And we're like, dude, we work with her. Like, chill out. But things got out of hand, and the fight started in the parking lot. Of course, the bouncers made got us out of there. But we're like, we'll take this to Perkins, man. So, like, 50 of us, which just happened to be, like, we knew lots of people at the bar that night. We went to the Perkins parking lot and waited for these guys. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is going to be part of our special provincial budget coverage this afternoon. She and Richard Cluche will be in lockup at the ledge. And once that budget is tabled anytime after 2.30, they will go live to tell you how your money is being spent in this election year. Now, in a moment, I'm going to complete the story that I started to tell. Greg asked me if my sister and I ever got into physical altercations as kids. Oh boy, did we ever. She was a scrapper. But we were this that came out of a conversation on parties that are getting out of control. We had this situation in East St. Paul a few months back. We had what this thing in Rosser in the last couple of weeks. And then we were talking about how in Australia, one place in Australia, they're they're, the police are asking you to register if you're going to have a party. Register it with them. And then they provide all kinds of safety tips and recommendations. So we started to get some great stories about house parties that are maybe a little too out of control, Mr. Mackling. And I told one about somebody announcing a party at my house at a social and some unwanted guests showing up at my house back in the day. And our listener says, I had a similar situation in Windsor Park. My buddy spread the word at a social. I was having a party and at about 1230, some people started showing up. I didn't know. Next thing I know, I have a basement full of people having a good time. Fortunately, my neighbor was a police officer and came over. I apologized and explained the situation. He goes downstairs and wanders into the crowd. About 10 minutes later, expecting everyone to disperse. I see my neighbor having a beverage and chatting it up with my unexpected guests, <laughs> having a great time. About an hour later, I shut off the music, kicked everyone out. My neighbor left, thanking me for inviting him over. Fortunately, everyone left the house in reasonable condition, and a good time was had by all, including the police. Wow. Off duty, I guess. Popo, they got to have a good time, too, once in a while. Yeah, like I was out at... Uh I'm not going to name the establishment, but I was at a, at a, a, a pub slash eatery over the weekend on Saturday night in uh, Transcona, and there was a situation where the police were called in. So I'm standing out there right beside this police car as they're shoving this guy into the car, and then they looked over at me. I was standing outside having a vape, and they looked at me, and they looked at the logo on my jacket, which said CJOB, and kind of got a look, but I just... Stood there. I wasn't working. I was there as a patron. I was just curious. I was one of the looky-loos. There were a dozen looky-loos trying to figure out what was going on. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't there to, to report. And I guess this police officer wasn't there to shut it down. He was thirsty. <laughs> so. Okay. That happens, too. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
So, so we, I can't even remember how we ended up talking about, did we ever have, my sister and I ever have physical altercations? Oh, just because things have escalated over time. Yeah. You know, when you're out and then, and then, uh, I, I can't remember how much of this was off air or on air, but I wanted to know basically, oh, it was about Monopoly. Oh, Monopoly, yes. yes right, right. Course. And you said, yeah, I've flipped the odd chessboard, but the Monopoly, no. And uh, so I wanted to know if you and your sister had ever come, just about come to blows over Monopoly or something similar. Oh, we used to. It, it feels like it went on for years and years and years. In reality, it was probably two or three years. But uh, my sister and I are twins. And you'd never know it for looking because I'm 6'4". And she is like 5'2", five 5'3". Five and so she was always way smaller than me, no matter what, from like right from when we were little, little kids. And she would use that to her advantage because she she used to like to sort of uh, torment me. She would needle me and, you know, when mom and dad weren't looking or hit me or pinch me or whatever, pull my hair. And then I would turn on her. And that's, of course, when mom or dad would see what was going on. Oh, Brett, don't uh, hurt your sister. You're mm, bigger than her. The retaliation. They always get the retaliation. And, and the, the, she was tough. Like, my sister was a tough little kid, and she she put some hurt on me several times when we were little. <laughs> but, so I got tired of always being told, don't hurt your sister, because she hurt me all the time. But she just was sneakier about it. So one day, we were in the living room, we were fighting over something, I don't know, we were always fighting, and my mom was beside herself, just so sick of it. So she was, I think she was cleaning or I don't know if she's cooking or cleaning or what, but she finally said, that's it. I've had it. I'm going to my bedroom. I'm shutting the door and you two do what you need to do to put this behind you. Oh. So I, it, it kind of clicked in my, and I don't remember how old I was. I was under 10, but it, it sort of clicked in my head that did I just finally get permission <laughs> to exact some long-awaited revenge and uh and then this maybe not the the message your mom was trying to send at that point no but (laughs) she i think she figured if if i finally just let them do this then it'll maybe that'll be the end and it was because i had this big smile on my face and i turned to my sister (laughs) and i just i don't remember if i said you're dead and then what's funny is i don't remember the actual altercation. I just remember the aftermath. And I was sitting on the living room floor, (laughs) panting and smiling. I've got scratches on my face. I had a clump of her hair in my hand. My sister's sitting beside me, bawling her brains out. And uh, all I could think was, finally, (laughs) vengeance is sweet. I finally got to beat her up and it, it was over. But I, like I said, I took like it wasn't a one wasn't a one way street. My sister was tough, and it was uh, apparently a battle for the ages. And uh, after I think my mom came out and said, "There, are you good? Are you done with this garbage?" And we, sure enough, we were. That was the end of it. I had friends whose uh, parents kept boxing gloves in the house, and when things got a little bit too hairy, that's it. Go downstairs or go out to the garage, sort it out that way. You know, really? And that's yeah. Well, that's. You'd never get away with that now. You'd never do that. It would never really be part of your parenting arsenal. But sometimes, you know, you do want to say, fine, go. Just drop, just get this over with.
Yeah. Drop the gloves. Let's get this done. And she was t- she was just tired, right? I mean, she she had to put up with us every day, uh, doing this, going through this every single day. It must have driven her insane. So she just came up with that solution on the spot and probably went and had a smoke while we beat each other up. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever I think about that, it's, it's, when I say it out loud, when I think of my twin sister sitting on the floor crying, it makes me smile. Such a good memory. <laughs> It's done so, so demented. But, hey, on the subject of parties, we just need to shout out to, to one of our listeners who was on overnight. Yeah, we want to uh, – Shane Hewitt, of course, is the host of The Shift. And he had on regular listener and regular texter Jim the Bailiff. And he was talking about his experiences as a bailiff, as a repo man. So if you want to check that out, wherever you get uh, your podcast, you can get The Shift podcast. And the one from last night is already up and available. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on the budget coverage this afternoon on 680 CJOB. We are asking you on this budget day, what's a time where you spent a lot of money on something and maybe thought, oops, you know, like you splurged and then you sort of regretted it after you did so. And I told the story about how last year, last January, uh, I decided that three o'clock in the morning was an appropriate time to do some online shopping and purchased a golf bag that cost me $750. I figured, ah, just treat yourself, man. We've been toughing it out through this pandemic. And then I got the bag and it was really nice, but it turned out to be not as functional as I was hoping. And it was kind of cheap. Like the stra- I was carrying it and the strap tore off of the bag. Like these straps are, they're supposed to be able to hold a lot of weight. And it just t- fell off my shoulder almost the first time I used it. And I had to get them to send me a new one. So Kat and Gimli actually with kind of a similar situation or one that's relatable, I think, because Kat says, I love the clean, tidy look of small purses. I keep trying with them, but they just don't work for me. So a couple of months ago, I bought a navy blue leather crossbody bag, which I thought would be perfect, being small but not really tiny, as well as really pretty. Nope, I've tried it several times, and it drives me insane. It isn't large enough for everything I need to carry, including my quite large phone. And then once I'm actually in the store, I can't find things like change, keys, glasses, or pens without fishing everything out onto the nearest counter. The opposite of useful. Then I slink back regretfully to my old burgundy nylon purse that matches my winter jacket, not stylish, but at least I can find my keys. <laughs> the chic navy number is now thrift store bound. It was not cheap. And right now the money I spent would come in handier for gas for my car. And that's a tough thing. When you spend a lot of money on something, when you treat yourself and it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to, then you just feel like, well, pfft, I just wasted a lot of money on this piece of crap. Yeah, well, there's a market for that stuff. Maybe don't get rid of it quite yet, Kat. See if you can uh, find it online because... People are looking. People are looking for chic stuff, and they, and they'll pay a premium for older stuff, stuff that's almost brand new. I, I I would try and sell it online. But our winner today of the AEW All Elite Wrestling tickets at Canada Life Center, March fifteenth, is George. Ah, uh, George, I'm feeling uh, for you right now. Last year, my wife and I purchased a 2022 Ford Escape Sport. Sight unseen. It seems like we waited forever to get it, and when we did, we got the vehicle and. The screen was glitching, right? All Every car has these screens now. So we contacted the dealership. They replaced the screen. 
still glitching. This was last July. We were still going through this problem with the screen glitch. I'm surprised my wife can still drive the car while the glitching is going on. Then recently we found out that the fuel injector has the potential to crack and cause a spark and possibly catch fire. And there is no replacement for that yet either. Purchasing cars without test driving and seeing how they look in person is a lot better. I think this is one of our dumbest purchases ever. If I could take it back, I would, but we still have six more years to pay for it. Only 72 easy payments left, George. George. That's tough stuff. Sorry to hear that. Uh, but, and uh, hey, that's a reflection of how people have had to buy vehicles you know, throughout the pandemic. You want you, oh, yeah, we can get that for you in nine months. George, at the very least, you're going to see All Elite Wrestling on March 15th. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is part of our budget coverage team this afternoon on 680 CJOB. She and Richard Cloutier will be in lockup at the legislature and will be in the rotunda broadcasting live. Once that budget is tabled this afternoon, Richard says anytime after 2.30, in the maybe 2.30 to 3 o'clock region. So that'll be live on 680 CJOB. And we have been hearing the word spending a lot as it pertains to this budget. And one of the Criticisms you would hear about people who are not fans of the NDP is they will they'll make the joke it's the spin DP. Well, I'm curious, will the word of the day on this one be consplurgative? Oh my. Were you up all night with that? <laughs> Had a team of monkeys working on it. <laughs> <laughs> we we shall see because uh, I have you know I haven't seen the budget yet, but we have heard uh, some bits and pieces, some things that we anticipate, and it does feel like very much like an NDP like budget based on what we're hearing. I'll have to see it all before I you know, have my own personal opinion, but it's interesting that you drew the correlation there. I, I, I think that's interesting. So at cjob.com, our question of the day has to do with the budget. What is your top priority? You cast your vote at cjob.com on Instagram or on Twitter at 680CJOB. In the meantime, we want to switch gears here and talk about how about 2.5, 2.5 million Canadian parents Take a leave of absence from work for the birth or adoption of their child. Yeah, it's increasingly common and still we know there are challenges for many. Becoming a new parent is filled with all sorts of ups and downs and it's not around how things change at home, but how that time at home could impact your career progression particularly for women. That's where our next guest comes in. Her own experiences on maternity leave prompted her and a friend to create a national program designed to address what the inequality women, the what inequality women might go through when on maternity leave. Jen Murta is the co-founder of Matern and joins us now. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. This is, uh, well, thanks for for joining us and and painting a picture. Tell us a little bit about you and what you were doing before you became a mom and went on maternity leave. Do I have my information correct? You worked for the Vancouver Canucks. I did. Yeah, yeah. I had an illustrious career, marketing, sports marketing career, uh, moved into the nonprofit sector and navigated through two of my own maternity leaves. And Honestly, as a career-driven, career-minded woman, taking that pause for maternity leave 
Uh, I think what I thought it was going to be and what it actually was were two very different things. And obviously, there was a lot of joy, but it really impacted my confidence, my sense of self as um, a leader at work. And really, those that, those months returning to work were extraordinarily difficult. And to be honest with you, I, I was sort of navigating through it on my own in isolation. So when you made the decision to leave, like, were you worried about leaving and the potential consequences of, of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you referenced the 2.5 million parents. It's important to know that 88% of those parents um, who take are, are mothers who take maternity leave compared to 46% of fathers. So what that means is that women are still taking parental rate at twice the rate as fathers. And that really has a huge impact on your career trajectory. You know, most people aren't familiar that there's something called the motherhood tax or the motherhood penalty. You know, mothers are 8.2 times less likely to receive a promotion versus women without children. Children. Starting salaries for mothers versus non-mothers are on average 12% lower. And, you know, there's the maternal wall, there's maternal bias, which is the most pervasive form of gender bias. So when women take maternity leave, um, absolutely, a lot of women are, are concerned about the impact on their career progression, and rightly so, because the evidence shows that it does impact their career and the way that they're then perceived as a result of becoming a mother, where the same is not the same for fathers, if we're kind of talking about this in a very binary sense. Jen, this whole idea of having to make this consideration ahead of time, uh, I I can only sort of compare our experience in, in this in this industry in radio, we, we don't like to miss a day. We don't like to miss two mm-hmm. days or a week or two, you know, in the back of your head, you're wondering, is the, the audience going to miss you? Or maybe worse, maybe they won't miss you. And so when you're away for an extended period of time, you worry about what might happen. And extended, I mean, 14, 21 days, not six, eight, 10, 12 months. So talk That's about- 18 months now. 18 months, there you go. So talk about how- that plays into, does it even play into the very notion of having children for some women? Um, yeah, I mean, this is why a lot of women are delaying having children till later um, because they're worried about the impact on their career progression. They want to establish themselves before they, you know, uh, decide to have a family. Um, I mean, really, that's why we designed this program because women were sort of navigating through these challenges on their own. We have a maternity leave program. We have a bunch of other programs under the maternity umbrella, but our maternity leave program really supports birthing and non-birthing mothers from really the time they disclose to their employer they're expecting. So we get them prepared for their leave, all the things that they probably need to do before they transition onto maternity leave. Then we support them through their entire leave, whether they choose that to be four months, six months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever that might be. And then we coach them in their return to work because that transition back Um, What we've seen through our own research is that women's confidence really plummets because like you alluded to, when you're not kind of doing your job on a daily basis, you sort of lose access to that part of yourself who you used to be before you became a parent, before you became a mother. And so we help women feel more confident, more empowered, and really more clear about their return to work. Jen Murtaugh is our guest, the co-founder of Matern, and you mentioned maternal bias and that that a lot of women face some sort of bias when they decide to become a mom and they, they have kids. What kind of bias or what kind of things do they deal with? Like you, the, the perception, the changing perception, what mm-hmm. changes? 
Yeah, so maternal bias is the most pervasive form of gender bias, and most of us hold it, regardless of whether we're conscious of it or not. And that's really, you know, how we're socialized, what we access through media, and really maybe our own upbringing. And so, you know, I might see a woman, and I might know that she's expecting, and then I might think, oh, she's probably not going to come back to work, so I'm going to give these projects to somebody else. Or, gosh, she's got bigger things to worry about now. You know, maybe we'll promote that other person. Um, I mean, those are just two very, very small examples, but there's sort of the unconscious bias that we think about when we're perceiving a mother. You know, research shows that men actually receive an increase in salary of more than 6% when they become a parent, whereas women face the opposite because men are perceived as being more committed, more stable, more, you know, more, um, you know, now they have to provide for a family where we look at women and think, oh, they're probably going to be distracted now and more concerned with their kids. That's an example of maternal bias. Sick days and and sick leave and uh, the whole idea of paid days off when you're sick is something that really uh, became prominent during the pandemic. Women disproportionately take sick days uh, not when they're sick, but when their kids are sick. That, that's got to be a challenge as well, Jen. Uh-huh. Well, you know, the research shows that, you know, women still hold 75% of domestic and childcare responsibilities. So even though we're moving towards a more gender equity world, uh, you know, the research really doesn't lie. Women are still holding a lot inside of the home and they're building their careers outside of the home as well. And that takes a toll. And when, you know, I remember when my kids would be sick and I was at work at daycare, I always got the first call. And I would often say, did you try their dad yet? And they were like, no, no, we called you first. So that's another form of, you know, what mothers are facing. It's like, oh, we automatically always call the mother. It falls on the mother. And so we really encourage women within our maternity leave program to even think about what does an equitable household look like? You know, if they are in a partnership, what does equity in the home look like? What are the types of conversations you're going to need to have with your partner about returning back to work? Who does the drop-off? Who does the daycare? Um, who is, um, you know, the household division of household responsibility? Who's the first to get called when your child will inevitably get sick? Um, so these are all things that are really important to discuss before you go back to work after maternity leave. So if if, if your marriage breaks down, you know, if you, if you separate or divorce uh, after you've had kids, does this mm-hmm. just magnify for women in terms of getting that first call, that first expectation to do more parenting? I'm curious if, if you've looked at that at all. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't seen any specific research. I have my own lived experience. You know, I separated um, when my kids were two and five. And, um, you know, what equity looked like in a co-parenting relationship was very different than what it looked like inside of the home. But by and large, you know, I, I still was the one you know, with the invisible labor, which is sort of the things that a lot of people don't think about, the kids' doctor's appointments, the kids' dentist appointments, the birthday party that's coming up, how we bought the presents for that. Um, Did we register the kids for activities? Am I up at 6 a.m. to get them into swimming lessons? All of these kinds of things are really the mental load that the research shows that by and large women and specifically mothers still hold. So somebody listening right now wants to reach out to you or to learn more about what you do. How do they do that? 
Yeah, so matern.com is our website. As I mentioned, we offer not just their maternity leave program, but we also offer a motherhood leadership coaching program. And that's really for women once they've returned back to work. It really supports women that are facing those unique challenges when they're growing their career and their family and sort of the pull between the two. We're working with over 50 organizations across the country, um, and they're actually paying for these programs to support women within their organizations because they see this as a way to attract, retain, and really develop female talent. Jen Murtaugh, real co-founder of Matern, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much for this. We'll have to have you back. Appreciate you, uh, you know, having me on and really raising consciousness around this. It is 946 with Mackling and McGarry and a reminder that tomorrow is International Women's Day. And Loren is going to be hosting a special event with Habitat for Humanity tomorrow morning. So you're stuck with just the two boys, the two bulls tomorrow. Well, you know what? And I love when our conversations resonate at a different level with our listeners. One of our listeners just texted, so true, just got a call from school, kid got hurt, yet my hubby is on the list for first to contact. Oh, okay. So share your stories with us. We love these sorts of things. 204-780-6868. My mom usually got the call for whatever when we were kids, but that's because my dad would take the bus to work downtown and my mom had the car. So when we needed... We had that sorted out. Yeah, we we just had to call my mom.